Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And praise the Lord. What a great, uh, what a great message that is. Throw out the lifeline. You know, we sung the hymn, and it just that that the, the thrill of that thought of face to face. Oh, face to face, what wonder shall it be? Face to face with Christ my Savior. And 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 so we have that because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who don't, don't. And that becomes for us the great throw out the lifeline. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that there is a lifeline. There's a lifeline, it's, a, it's like an anchor that goes deep and, 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 and it holds our souls. And so, Lord, encourage us tonight, we pray, as we, as we open your word, to realize that that lifeline is based on the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24, we will again look and remind ourselves of this momentous day here in which we read in Exodus 24, verse 3, Exodus 24, 3. Exodus 24, 3, that Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings, sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant, read in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. What a day of sprinkling of the blood that was. I mean, there's Moses, he's at the foot of Mount Sinai, and he's sprinkling the people with the blood of the sacrifices, and as he's doing it, he's saying, behold the blood of the covenant. What a Passover night that was when the Lord Jesus took that cup of wine, and at the end of the supper, when we read in Luke 22, 20, 22, 20, likewise also the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. What, as we saw last week, a removal, a remission of sins that we saw in in Hebrews 9.22 when it said, without the shedding of blood is no remission, is no removal. Without the shedding of blood is not remission. There's no removal of sins. What a crime sheet that each one of us had, growing and growing every day, and all we had was the yearning to have it removed, erased, expunged, taken away. That's what he gave us through his blood. What a redemption 
there is in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 that just says, redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Redeemed with the blood means that without the shedding of blood, there's no redemption. There's no redemption without, and just that being left in that desperate state of being a captive on a prison ship bound for hell, wanting so much to be released out of the prison ship, but we can't. No redemption without the blood. What a covering, what an atonement there is from Leviticus 17.11. Leviticus 17.11, where God said, the life, the flesh, it's in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar for your souls to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement. It makes a covering for your souls. The blood makes a covering for your souls. Without the shedding of blood, there's no covering for your souls. Just the shame, just the embarrassment of having the exposure of our sins out in, in, in view. What a reconciliation there is for us from the blood in Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh. You're made near by the blood of Christ. The blood made nigh by the blood of Christ means that without the shedding of blood, there is no coming near to God. There is no, there is no reconciliation. But just a continuation of a, a lonely existence, an aching, as a, 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 to not knowing that our sins have separated us from God. What a cleansing from the blood in 1 John 1, 1 John 1, 17, 1 John 1, 17, where it says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his sons, cleanses us from all sins. The blood cleanses us from all sins means that without the shedding of blood, there's no cleansing from any sin or all sins. Just that terrible feeling of that dirtiness inside and that longing to be clean from the evil thoughts that are listed out in Matthew 15, 19 through 20. Thoughts that uh, of murder and, and sexual sins and, and thefts and lies and cursing just continuing, continuing to haunt and to make feel dirty. And what a peace. What a peace we have through the blood from Colossians 1.20. Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. Peace through the blood. Peace through the blood means that without the shedding of blood, there's no peace. There's no peace. Just this fear of, of being at war with God and this longing to, how's this war gonna end? Well, we see what we see here today now is Romans 5.9. That's our text. Romans 5.9. Romans 5.9 says this, much more than being now justified by his blood. Justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Justified for the, through his blood. What's that mean? That means without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus, there's no justification just this remaining in, in the state of condemnation and being blamed for our sins. See, justification is a legal term. It's a legal term. There's a right way to think about how God justifies us, and then there's a wrong way. Unfortunately, the world is going, for the most part, in the wrong way. The wrong way is to see that God's going to justify me based on my record, based on my life record. That's where a man would claim that all those accusations against me are wrong. Man thinks that all those accusations of sin against him are, that's fake news, all right? <laughs> but the news, the news that man is really a good person and by his life and his record, he can justify himself before God, that's really fake news. 
It's all wrong because God has stated in Romans 3. Romans 3 is a chapter that just goes over and over and over again the fact that all have sinned. And it says in Romans 3.10, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. Altogether they become unprofitable. None that doeth good, no, not one. The fact that God says that twice, no, not one, it means that God has been looking. I said, I can't, I gotta tell you, I haven't found anybody good. I'd like to, but I haven't found anybody good. And then he says on, in the, toward the end there, Romans 3.23, all have sinned, this is a conclusion, all have sinned and will never see the glory of God. They will fall short of it. And if a person says, oh, no, wait a minute, I can show you a good person. I know there's a good person. Mother Teresa, she was really a good person. Then God says, you're making me a liar? You're making me a liar because God said everyone is sin. And it says in 1 John 1.10, 1 John 1.10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us, especially if we say that we haven't sinned because God says, no, all have sinned. And the tragedy today, the tragedy today is that most people think that they can stand up before God on their own record and that, they, and that somehow they're gonna get this, this, this legal verdict of justified based on, that's a tragic, tragic miscalculation. It's what the Bible calls a, 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 a way that seems right. It seems right. I mean, I'm pretty good. Everybody says I'm pretty good. That seems right. But the end thereof are the ways of death. In Proverbs 14.12, Proverbs 14.12 says, there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you know what's so terrible about that way? It's a catastrophe. It's a tragedy. It's all not necessary. It's all not necessary. Hell, every person who is in hell today, it wasn't necessary for them to be there because the death of the Lord Jesus Christ has put salvation within the reach of every person, all they have to do is take it. All they have to do is take it. And that's why the very next verse after Romans 3.23, Romans 3.24 is so important when it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's a free gift, just take it. The right way to be justified is what God calls faith in his blood. That's Romans 3.25. It's faith in his blood. That's a key right there, faith in his blood. We're talking a lot about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, these are facts, that what are the, what the accomplishments of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he accomplished when he shed his blood. But our part, our step is to have faith in his blood. What is that, faith in his blood? That's a transferring of reliance. It's a transferring of dependence. Whereas in the past, it was, I, I rely on my own record. I will stand before God. I will be justified before God. That's, that, that is the old way. Faith in his blood is an abandonment of trusting in that position. And, and, and it's, it's a real turning back, turning back on that and saying, no, now I have faith in his blood, which means a wholehearted reliance. Faith in his blood is like a passionate grip it's a passionate grip where you see the picture of that with Jacob. Jacob in Genesis 32. This is where it says that Jacob in Genesis 32, verse 24. Genesis 32, 24. Jacob was left alone. This is a great night. 
Jacob is left alone. He wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. This is an all-night wrestling. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, that's the man, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him, the man says. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. Jacob replies, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto them, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now this is God in, in the flesh, and he's wrestling here with Jacob. And I don't want you to think that, that, that God says, you know, I'm so exhausted from all this wrestling, I can't remember. What was your name again? What was it? I thought, oh, it was Jacob. Yeah, okay, I forgot. Okay, right. It wasn't that. That's not what God had in mind when he said, what is your name? Is it, what he, when he said Jacob, Jacob means heel, heel catcher. That was his name because Jacob's life was one struggle after another. It started from his birth. He's trying to struggle and pull back his, 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 his brother. I'm going to get up for you. Go, I'm going to pull you back. That's his name. He lived his life that way. What's your name? Jacob. He said, verse 28, verse 28, Genesis 32, 28. He said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. The man who is the prince of God. Three words make up the word Israel, 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 Ish, Sar, El. Ish means man, Sar means prince, El means God. A man who is a prince with God. That was his new name. So he's left alone. Jacob's left alone there. He's wrestling with a man who is God. He says that. He says, I've seen God face to face. The Lord Jesus Christ, this is Jehovah Jesus in this wrestling match. He's put into the state of incredible pain by having his hip put out of joint. And in that state of pain, Jacob then passionately grips the man and he says, I won't let you go except you bless me. In other words, Jacob is saying to the man, you're going to have to kill me to, to, to be, for me to let go of my grip. And it's that, that, that passionate grip that causes Jacob to be rewarded with this new name of, of Israel. That's a picture of what it means to have faith in his blood. It's a passionate reliance on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the basis uh, 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 to how to receive the gift of justification. You, can, you read this passage here in Genesis 32, you can feel the passion. You can feel the passion. You know, whenever I... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, whenever I dive in the water, because I'm trying to, to be like whale, a whale, but anyway, whenever I dive in the water, whenever I go diving, you know what I fear more than sharks? Because I, I fear moray eels. Moray eels, sticking your hand in a place where a moray eel is. You know why? Because when a moray eel clamps down, you know what he does? He doesn't let go. He does not let go. You have to kill him in order to get that jaw to release. And Jacob here is like a moray eel bite. He's got a moray eel grip with God where he says, look, he says, you have to kill me for, in order for me to release you. And this is what Jacob says to God. He's got this moray eel grip on God. And he says in verse 26, Genesis 32, 26, he says, when he says, let me go. And he says, I will not let you go except you bless me. It, 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 it just, it, this is the passion here. It reminds me when I was speaking to a person one time. I really doubted whether this person knew the Lord. And when that person re, referred to God and said, and salvation of the Lord Jesus and just said, yeah, all that religious stuff, all that religious stuff, that's not the moral eel grip. Faith in his blood is a passionate grip on God with a passionate appreciation for all that the, the blood of the Lord Jesus accomplished. And that's what we've been studying here. One of them here is justification. Now, our verse goes on to say, 
in verse 9, Romans 5, 9, Romans 5, 9, much more than being justified by his blood. Now, when it says this, much more than, it forces us to look back at the verse above it where we read in Romans 5, 8, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, a sinner is an enemy with God. So while we were yet enemies with God, Christ died for us. God showed, we've been talking about tonight, Christian has been bringing out this unbelievable love to us that the Lord Jesus had when he died for us, but he died for us when we were enemies to God. We were sinners, we were enemies. Think of that. We were in a state of war with God. We were his enemies, and he shows the greatest love to us by having the Lord Jesus died for our sins. That's a great, that's a great obstacle of being an enemy of God. And, and God says, I'll remove that obstacle. I'll remove that obstacle. So, and God just abounded over that obstacle to save us when we were God's enemies, and he sends the Lord Jesus to die for our sins. Now, if the Lord Jesus died for us when we're enemies, then how much more is he gonna do for us once we're his friends? You know, friendship with God. Once we're his friends. Now, we all know ourselves. If we're honest about ourselves, we all know that we're not just good sinners. We're the other kind of sinner. We're the dirty, rotten sinner type. And so when we're really honest, we have a question. How can God do that? How can God justify a dirty, rotten sinner? I mean, that's important for us to know. And, and so in order for us to really kind of get an idea of how God does this, it's really kind of interesting when, when you look at a... Um, when you look at his Proverbs, in Proverbs 8, verse 27, really talks about the love, the special love relationship between God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. Proverbs 8, 27, it's very interesting because he, the, the Lord Jesus is speaking, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. You know, it just gives us a little picture, just a little picture of the relationship between God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ when it says, I was by him, as one brought up with him, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. We can't comprehend fully the love between God the Father and God the Son, but we're getting a little bit of a picture here when it just says, I was by him. This is John 1. This is John 1. In the beginning was the Word. That's the name for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Word was with God. I was by him. See, and then he describes it. He describes his position with God when the Lord Jesus is here, and when it says in John one eighteen, John one eighteen, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. See, I mean, God the Father, God the Son. When it says in Proverbs, they, they were always together. They were doing everything together. When he came, he said in John 16, 28, John 16, 28, I came forth from the Father. I'm come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. He's, he's, he's with the Father. He's always with him. He leaves the Father. 
He does his work down here of redemption, and then he goes right back up to the Father. It's the only time when they were ever separated from each other is when he came to the world and he came to become our sacrifice. That was the only time when they weren't together. And as soon as the Lord Jesus finishes his work, boom, back up, as it says in Proverbs 8.30, to continue to be daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. And so, the, the, uh, but, and then when the Lord Jesus, when, when God the Father is speaking about the Lord Jesus, he says in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42.1, 1, he says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, daily his delight, in whom my soul delighteth, I put my spirit on him, he'll bring judgment to the Gentiles. So he describes God the Father, describes the Lord Jesus as the one in whom his soul delights. He's here on earth. Twice he breaks through into the, through the silence when he says in Matthew 3.17, Matthew 3.17, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, he was saying to all the people there, listen, you've got to understand, that's very special to me, that person there. He's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Again, Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17.5, Matthew 17.5. Peter is up there saying, well, this is really a momentous time. We've got Jesus and Moses and Elijah. I know we'll make three monuments here. That's what we'll do. And God, the big cloud comes and you don't understand. This person is very special to me, the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when, Matthew 17, 5, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Do you get the picture how much God the Father is focused on the Lord Jesus Christ? He so loves him. Now, when, when Abel was killed by Cain, we're told that the shed blood of Abel cried out from the ground. And the ears of God heard that. It says in Genesis 4.10, Genesis 4.10, he said, what hast thou done? He's speaking to Cain. What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. See, after Cain kills Abel, God said, the voice of, of, of Abel, it's not just speaking to me, it's yelling to me. It's crying to me from the ground. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 